Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, with the latest installment of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast, where our editors and reporters discuss the most compelling stories and sources they're covering. Today, my guest is reporter Brooklyn Hahn, and we have a lot to talk about. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. From first-time and non-traditional home buyers to those needing a jumbo loan for a second home, Finance of America Mortgage and their skilled, award-winning mortgage advisors have helped over 450,000 customers since 2015. Finance of America Mortgage is licensed to lend in all 50 states, plus Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And backed by best-in-class lending technology with a wide range of innovative and proprietary mortgage products, they're prepared to help borrowers find loans that meet their needs. Want to join an award-winning team and evaluate your business? Visit www.joinfamtoday.com forward slash housing wire to learn more. Finance of America Mortgage LLC is licensed nationwide. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS ID number 1771. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Equal opportunity employer. Brooklyn, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's always great to have you on. You've been uh, writing about a lot of real estate topics, and you also write about title. So some of your um, articles appear first on housingwire.com, others are on realtrends.com, but I want to start with one today that uh, was about Fannie Mae and title insurance. Uh, Tell us what happened there. Sure. So last week um, in its selling guide announcement, Fannie Mae uh, announced that it would be accepting written opinion letters from an attorney in lieu of a title insurance policy quote-unquote, in limited circumstances. Um, I have reached out to Fannie Mae and have not heard back, but I'm definitely interested in finding out, you know, what those limited circumstances are. But regardless, this is, you know, pretty interesting uh, news and, you know, potentially has the ability to shake up the title insurance industry a little bit. Um, You know, so basically this means that instead of, getting a title insurance policy from a title insurance provider, uh, a home buyer could instead get a letter written by an attorney, um, you know, stating that the title is clear and that they can, you know, purchase the home. Uh, There are very specific requirements, um, you know, in the announcement, Fannie Mae said, that lenders must ensure the loan is covered by either a title policy issued by an acceptable insurer or a title opinion letter issued by an attorney. And the attorney opinion letter, uh, for it to be approved, it must come from an attorney who is properly licensed and has malpractice insurance covering title opinions in an amount commonly prevailing in the jurisdiction uh, in which you know the property resides. Um, so you know, there's definitely specific things that have to happen. Uh, The letter must also uh, list all other liens and states in which uh, they are subordinate uh, and the state. And it must also state the title condition of the property is acceptable and the mortgage constitutes a lien of the required priority on a fee simple estate in the property. 
Um, so, you know, there are specific requirements for it to go through. And again, it's only quote unquote in limited circumstances. And, you know, I reached out to Alta for comments and they were kind of a bit wishy-washy, didn't really give me anything substantive uh, about how they felt about this. And, you know, they just said that they're reviewing the announcement and working with their lender partners um, and seeing basically how it plays out. Um, but it's really interesting. Um, you know, title insurance frequently gets a bit of a bad rap for various things. Uh, you know, oftentimes people claim that it's antiquated, that it backs up the home buying uh, and closing experience. Um, recently, there was a big Business Insider article basically saying that title insurance uh, is a scam. So, um, and it also is an added cost to home buyers. And when prices are so high right now of homes and mortgage rates are rising, you know, there is some speculation out there that, you know, Fannie Mae has identified closing costs as a potential barrier to home ownership. And by using an attorney opinion letter, you know, that does cut down on some closing costs. So there is that. Um, you know, I still don't have anything from Fannie Mae about, you know, what they are saying was kind of the mo their motivation behind doing this and behind this announcement, but it definitely is interesting. It is interesting, and our audience is finding it very interesting. This one is is trending high on our list right now um, because, you know, there are a lot of questions about why now, what does this mean? Um, in your article, you talk about Voxter Analytics, which is a company that's uh, released a, is re is going to release a product that will be um, an alternative to title insurance, um, and and says that you know basically they're they're taking advantage of this uh, this opening for attorneys' title opinion letter, right? Um, and and Jim Albertelli, the CEO of Voxter, said you know he he draws a, a straight line. Fannie Mae has identified closing costs as a barrier to homeownership. Um, but that's just, you know, really, this is all speculation. No, none of us know why, why now and, and why they're taking this tag. Yes, absolutely. It, it is all speculation right now. And again, you know, we don't know how often um, people will be able to use this option uh, instead of title insurance. It's unclear so far of what the circumstances are in which you'd be able to get an attorney opinion letter versus, you know, getting a title insurance policy. You know, um, recently, I, I guess on March 9th, um, Diane Tom, who is um, CEO of uh, the Alta, which you uh, mentioned earlier, she wrote an opinion piece for Real Trends called, uh, called Title Insurance is Essential and Here's Why. And I think it was in, you know, response to some of the, you know, maybe the insider article, maybe some of the other things about, you know, why do we need title insurance? And one of the things that she makes a point is that, um, I think some, one of the criticisms of title insurance is that it's so rarely used. Like it's so, um, you know, you pay for an insurance that almost never has a, a time when you need to use it. But but she makes the point that maybe that's because, um, you know, it's effective. So if you didn't have title insurance, maybe more people would be um, trying to commit this kind of fraud, trying to do this. I don't know. It's interesting. And she makes the point like, hey, it's a good thing that title uh, title insurance doesn't have to get used much. But I think if you're looking at the overall picture, you might think, oh, this is a place where we can, you know, we can make changes and it would be okay. So I think this is, is a really interesting 
topic, um, especially as we see other companies getting into title because title does make money, right? So we have mortgage companies, real estate brokerages. We actually have a, a, a new story on Samson Properties on Housing Wire looking at their business model. And their business model as a brokerage is really like they don't expect to make money on the sales of the homes outside of the the percentage of those that actually go to their title company, um, which it's not a, you know, their, their real estate agents don't have to use their title company, but because that's kind of the way um, things are, um, you know, generally speaking, your real estate agent will say, hey, this is the title company I use. Um, that's their whole business model. So it's an interesting time to be changing title. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know, going off that with Samson, uh, last week, the uh, Real Trends 500 core services rankings were released. And I spoke with um, some of the top ranking brokerages that do offer core services. And, you know, especially right now with the housing market being a little uncertain with, you know, inventory being so tight, uh, a lot of brokerages are really happy that they offer core services and have this opportunity to potentially make, you know, more money and more revenue if, you know, they can attach the core services to their uh, transactions or have, you know, other brokerages and other real estate agents use the core services they offer. Um, and so that was really interesting. That is interesting. And and I just think that this is, this is why we're seeing our audience react so much to this is like anytime Fannie Mae makes a, a change, it's, you know, it's got a huge ripple effect throughout because they are, you know, the, the ones who buy most of the loans. So anything they do, it, it becomes sort of like de rigor for the, for the rest of the industry, for the rest of the investors and, and sort of like sets a new standard. So it, it will be interesting, as you said, to look at, you know, in what sort of what that in quotes limited looks like. Um, and how, how many people take that up and, and decide to make a change there. So we'll be looking, you know, the, another, um, really interesting story that you've written recently was about, um, with, with mortgage rates going up, sellers are increasingly chopping their prices. So tell us about that report that you wrote up there and what you think that means. Sure. So, um, in the, it was a Redfin report that was published, uh, toward the later half of last week. Uh, and in, uh, you know, the data that Redfin looked at was recorded in over 400 U.S. metropolitan areas for the four weeks ending on April 3rd, so just earlier this month. And during that four-week period, 12% of the homes on the market dropped their prices over the course of that period. And a year ago, the same time period, the share of homes with price drops was at 9%. Um, and this 12% level is the highest level recorded uh, since early December. So, you know, it's definitely significant and something to take notice of. You know, mortgage rates are definitely on the rise and they have been this year. Uh, they're much higher than they were at the same time last year. And, uh, you know, with that, the power that home buyers have um, in terms of being able to afford more uh, is kind of going away. And so people are, sellers are having to drop their prices to kind of account for, you know, rising mortgage rates because, you know, with a higher mortgage rate, someone's budget might be lower because of the monthly payment they can afford. So yes, as we approach the spring market and the summer market, uh, when more people are 
putting their homes on the market and more people are searching for homes. Um, you know, despite that, we're still seeing home buyers be pretty discerning and a little bit more uh, selective in what they can afford. And, you know, some of them, despite having looked for months and months at this point, you know, are willing to wait it out a little bit more just because, you know, their budget might not go as far as it did previously. Um, so, you know, home buyers definitely are aware of this and, you know, are getting a little bit more selective. Uh, home sellers that maybe put their home on the market at a bit of a reach price aren't getting the same traffic and traction than they were previously. Uh, so, you know, that's definitely something to consider, you know, pricing a home correctly is always really essential to, a, uh, you know, a successful home sale, but it seems that right now it's even more so. Yeah, boy, I, I really agree with that. You know, uh, you also noted in that article that, um, you, some other indicators of a slowing market could be seen in, uh, purchase applications, which were down 9% compared to a year prior and home tours, which were down 3% year to date, according to uh, showing time. But, you know, as we know, all, all uh, real estate is really local. And I know that, you know, just a few weeks ago, our lead analyst, uh, Logan Motoshami went to um, a home showing in his area. He lives in Irvine, but this, this was in LA and there were 75 people lined up to, to view one house. So I'm sure that it really depends on how, what the house is priced at, you know, where the neighborhood is. Um, that's just astounding. Um, I, I was also reporting, I was looking at the Austin area a year ago. I wrote a, a story about how it's one of the hottest housing markets and it was ranked by Zillow number one at one point last year. And it's now ranked number 10 which is shocking to me because <laughs> from my perspective, it is still so incredibly hot. So um, for instance, some of the things about the Austin market is that um, it's now, uh, let's see, median sales price have increased 30% year over year. And I mean, it was, it was up last year, a, a shocking amount as well. So, you know, there's just a lot of, there's a lack of supply, but you have this giant demand because people are moving into the area for jobs. You have, Lots of California and specifically San Francisco people moving there because you have a lot of tech companies who have relocated there. So I think that's interesting to think that as hot as that is, and for for a Texas market that's just red hot, it's now number ten. Yeah. Uh, and that, according to that same Zillow uh, forecast, Tampa is is number one. So really hard to imagine. Yes, it definitely is. I mean, in talking to real estate agents kind of across the country. It definitely, as you said, differs from market to market. Even the smaller markets that, you know, aren't used to seeing multiple offers and, you know, a level of competition, they are still seeing, you know, a couple offers per property. And then some of the hotter markets, um, I spoke with an agent in Orlando a couple of weeks ago and, you know, her one of her clients recently had to contend with 102 offers on a property. Wow. So, it's definitely, uh, it's still elevated across the country um, and even more so and still pretty hot in some select markets for sure. I know that you cover those for the magazine, for our magazine every month. You talk to um, real estate agents all over the country and try to find out what's going on. What are some of those other markets that you talked to recently? Sure. So some of the other markets that I've recently spoke with um, 
Uh, I did a longer profile on Gillette, Wyoming, uh, which I think I talked about on a previous podcast. Um, you know, I spoke with uh, an agent recently in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, and again, they're seeing, you know, lots of people, some out of town buyers, um, doing lots of selling via, you know, FaceTime and Zoom and showing homes virtually there because people are looking to move. And, you know, what the agent said was they don't want to come in until there's a couple homes kind of on the market in their price point and what they're looking for. But by the time, you know, another one comes on the market, the first one's gone. So she recommends that people, because it's a very unique area with the Pueblo architecture and kind of the European feel, you know, she wants people to kind of come in and get a feel for the area and see, you know, the one home that's on the market. So they at least know kind of what the area looks like, what they actually might want in a home. Um, so that, and then she'll do virtual tours, but it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely, things are moving fast there. Um, Another uh, market that I looked at was Woodstock, Vermont, which is a small town about a half hour from Dartmouth, and it's very quintessential Vermont. And, you know, it is more of a luxury market, but uh, the agent said they're still seeing quite a few, you know, home buyers on the market. Inventory is low. Um, and, you know, it's, she said it's ev what everyone pictures when they picture Vermont, and it has, you know, all these great community amenities, but is also super close to, you know, great medical facilities at Dartmouth um, and is about a two hour drive from Boston, which is not bad at all. Um, so a lot of people are moving there, you know, throughout the course of the pandemic or are buying second homes there and, you know, residing in them more often than they intended to originally um, because they have, you know, work from home abilities. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely across the country. Things are things are up for sure. I think what's so interesting about the smaller towns is that it doesn't take much of an increase in demand to really drive the prices up because, I mean, you just don't have a lot of inventory and it's not like, you know, you have home builders in Woodstock, you know, gearing up for a big influx, right? That That's just probably not, you know, they probably have a steady amount of like new homes for sale. But, but if you have any kind of, you know, uh, migration into, into there, you're going to swamp the current inventory. So uh, it can, it can happen so fast. And then all of a sudden you have a hot market because you have a relatively small number of people moving there, but it's just, it just can't absorb them. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, with uh, the prices for building commodities, lumber, gypsum, everything being so high and hard to get right now, a lot of home builders you know, unless they're putting up an entire subdivision, don't really want to make a builder grade home. They are more interested in, you know, luxury homes and building things that are on the higher end because they know they'll be able to recoup the costs if something, you know, if one of the materials suddenly increases in price. It's a great point. Well, Brooklyn, I so appreciate having you on and appreciate your reporting. You keep us up to date on so many things in the real estate and title space. And I know that um, our audience gets a lot out of yours. So I did want to ask you what you're looking, uh, what you're working on now for the next, over the next week. So right now, um, you know, I'm definitely following what's going on with Fannie Mae and the attorney opinion letter announcement and 
you know, hopefully doing a follow-up uh, from that. I also um, have recently filed a story about agent productivity that's been a hot topic this year. Um, and with that story, I spoke with uh, a bunch of really experienced agents, some of them who have been in the business since the 1970s and you know have seen the industry go from the days of getting a weekly listing book uh, dropped off in the mail at the brokerage office with grainy black and white photos now to TikTok and Instagram and digital closings. And, you know, I spoke with them kind of about how all this technology has helped or hurt their productivity, the different tools that they really like to use. Um, and, you know, the different strategies that they employ and also, you know, what practices that did they start doing in, you know, the 70s and 80s that they still do today. Um, and it was really fascinating to hear everyone's story. Um, they had a lot to, you know, tell me and provide me with, with information. And there is a wide variety of strategies and opinions about, you know, social media and how big marketing has become in real estate. Um, and, you know, some of them are frustrated because it is hard to keep up with technology that seems to change every single day. Um, and others have found, you know, great ways to either work around it by working with a team and having some younger agents that really are the ones that are making the TikToks and posting on Instagram and things like that. Um, and then others are just kind of embracing it and trying to learn and go with the flow as best they can. So it was really interesting and a lot of fun. Ah, I can't wait to read that. That's going to be great. You know, we, we always talk about how if a story is fun to write, it's fun to read. And, um, you know, we don't always get to pick the topic. So I'm not sure all of our stories are fun to write. But um, this one sounds like something, you know, that we can all relate to. So looking forward to that. And um, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW+, membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.